There are signs on the ring which make me feel so down. There's one, two, and three, four rings to find them all in time and drive them into darkness forever. Here on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. 
Uh, you're listening to Connor and Katie coming to you from sunny Ohio, where we are bringing two more hours of carefully curated music fitting a specific theme that we usually come up with a day or two in advance. Uh, uh, however, uh, this week we actually had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do. And hopefully uh, our first track this morning gave you some idea of what that might be. Uh, you did hear right now Blind Guardians with the track Lord of the Rings. And we have got Lord of the Rings on our minds because, knock on wood, this time uh, when we go to uh, Blossom Music Center, we are actually going to uh, be seeing the Cleveland Orchestra performing the soundtrack to The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, to uh, an accompaniment of, of the actual film. We, we've gone to see it. Uh, we've gone to see something similar a couple of times. Last year, we went to Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year, we are really looking forward to uh, catching Two Towers out there. It's, it's a beautiful venue. Uh, it's a, Usually, it's a wonderful night, uh, as long as the, the rain holds off. Uh, but uh, fingers crossed, we should have a good one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because one thing that really excited me about seeing Fellowship in concert was that the the films, you get very caught up in the films when you're watching them. But when you are watching them within like visual distance of a full orchestra and I think two choirs on that occasion, possibly three, mm-hmm. uh, it, it really drives home like what an accomplishment Howard Shore's score was for this series of films. It's I believe it's like has the the world record for the number of leap motifs like throughout the three yeah. uh, scores for the three films. And there's there's it's a truly like magical score. Uh, he's been on record as saying that he wanted to create something that sounded very old that sounded not so much that it had been composed for a film but that it had been found like kind of unearthed. And I think he definitely accomplished that. Mm. Yeah, uh, you're going to be hearing a few tracks from uh, Howard Shore's soundtracks for all three movies, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and uh, The Return of the King. We're also going to be playing a number of songs like Blind Guardian, uh, like the Blind Guardian track, that are inspired by uh, Lord of the Rings, either the original novels that were written by Tolkien, or the later adaptations, including, of course, uh, Peter Jackson's world-conquering trilogy, <laughs> um, released uh, over 20 years ago now. I, I, that fact blows my mind, because it does not feel like that long ago. Mm-hmm. And one thing when you go back to watch these movies is that they have aged remarkably well. I know there's talk about remaking them, but I don't I don't see how you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched a YouTube video somewhat recently where the uh, the person who was doing the video talked about how you can't make movies like that anymore because there's been such a push towards CGI and and getting away from the actual craftsmanship of making these. And when I say craftsmanship, I, I do mean it. There were people who were making chainmail by hand. There were people who were forging swords by hand. It was, I think, I always joke, I, I think at, uh, at one point the entirety of the population of New Zealand was somehow involved in making <laughs> these movies. Um, 
but beyond the movies themselves, you, you alluded to the fact that we're going to be hearing you know other other songs inspired by. There's something about this trilogy, about the Lord of the Rings, that that seems to deeply resonate with people, but especially musicians. And I find myself wondering why that is, because uh, now's the time that I have to admit that I have seen the movies, I love the movies, I tried very hard to read the books, and mm-hmm. I think I was expecting uh, more of a... My, my first fantasy series was Dragonlance, uh, so I think I was expecting more of a, you know, kind of swift narrative, uh, you know, story like, you know, or Game of Thrones for that matter. I did read those in college as well. And I got to Lord of the Rings and it's it's beautiful prose, but mm. it's it's very dense. Yeah. It's very hard to get through. And so I, I applaud those who managed to get uh, past Tom Bombadil because I <laughs> could not. Um, but there's, I, I don't know what it is, but there is something about these stories because they just endure they do they they endure and uh, you're right that the uh the films by peter jackson um are 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 technical and artistic triumphs that have aged remarkably well uh for their time uh so many of their contemporary films have been forgotten or seem so dated now but even today the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, is a remarkable example of what you can do when you combine uh, a very clear artistic vision with cutting-edge technology uh, to create uh, remarkably striking imagery and 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 just a, uh, a fantastic. Uh, story told by a number of just very very talented people uh, including of course um howard shore himself the composer composer of uh the lord of the rings um soundtracks uh so we wanted to share a little bit of his work right now because ultimately the films would not be the same without his essential input Uh, Coming up next, from the Fellowship of the Ring soundtrack, this is the opening uh, piece from uh, from that particular collection, The Prophecy.
Every day, BFF.FM strengthens communities across our region by sharing superb music with everyone. Music to connect people with each other and the community they're part of. Carefully curated programs on BFF.FM enrich and engage with music you know and surprise you with music new to your ears. Music on BFF.FM just makes any day better. Your donation to BFF.FM is an investment in the power of music to uplift, to connect all of us together. Please take a moment now to invest in the power of music at BFF.FM.
such amazing music from uh, from Howard Shore and Holdweller. You are listening to Third Country Radio here on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. And you just heard three great songs there, two from Fellowship of the Ring. So we started off that set with the song The Prophecy, which is what opens the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, composed, of course, by Howard Shore. And we followed that up with the Council of Elrond featuring Aniron. Uh, the theme for our for Aragorn and Arwen uh, that was also from Fellowship of the Ring and then we finished off that set with a song called Elven Door and that was by uh, third country radio favorite Holdweller uh, <laughs> we played quite a few of his songs uh, past and, and present uh, he's come out with some new releases so we're, we're always happy to have him on the show but the interesting thing about that particular piece is that it was written for a YouTube video series about the creation of a guitar. A, a gentleman reached out, and I cannot recall uh, where the guitar was made, unfortunately. It was somewhere in Europe. I want to say possibly Finland. Mm. Uh, but uh, they are the, the group that, that made this guitar. Uh, they make custom instruments. And this particular person reached out and wanted... A, a Lord of the Rings inspired guitar which they made for him and they wanted a theme like they did a, a whole series about the making of this guitar and wanted a theme to play over the opening credits and actually reached out to Holdweller and that is what he delivered to them uh, the song uh, of course Elven Door uh, inspired by the, the door into the minds of Moria mm. uh, which is of course a uh, important moment in the first movie in Fellowship of the Rings and in the story itself in in, in that first book uh, when they uh, approach the Mines of Moria or Khazad-dûm and, uh, and, and come afoul of a cave troll and then later a Balrog. Yes. Um, but it's it's very interesting. If you, if you watch as much YouTube as we do, um, you eventually get served up uh, some very interesting things like uh, Nerd of the Rings, who goes into great detail on the history of Middle Earth and, and will include like this long, extensive video all about like Moria and about that door and how it was created and the, the how it was a, a symbol of friendship between dwarf and elf. Yeah, it's very interesting because the the history of Lord of the Rings, which is something that, that I think Tolkien actually kind of conceived of after he wrote the books because people kept asking him questions about, well, how did this happen? Where did these people go? And so he created this very extensive you know, mm -hmm. lore and history. And it's, very, it's fascinating to me to see fans really delve into that because it makes it feel more real. It makes, mm. it, it makes for an incredibly lived-in world. And while the, the realm of Middle-earth may not exist physically here... Uh, it, it does exist very vibrantly in the minds of, of fans all over the world, and so it's kind of cool to to watch. It's 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 like watching a you know a history documentary, and sometimes yeah. you have to remind yourself like, wait, this this is about something that doesn't technically exist. <laughs> yeah, I I do feel I I believe it, you know one of his um, goals was to create a, a sort of new mythology yeah um to to uh create a new sort of legend or or a concept of of like you know the creation of the of the world uh uh using of course his extensive 
uh, knowledge of uh, Anglo-Saxon and you know Scandinavian history and his his interest in language as well. You know, he kept making new languages, so he had to make up new stories and new new people to to speak them. Yeah, and and uh, constructed languages or conlangs are always fascinating to me as somebody who does enjoy learning languages mm. and. Elven, I think, is based on Welsh. Like the the, the mm -hmm. phonetic sounds are based based on Welsh, uh, but he also was a, a big fan of the Finnish language. Mm. And so I think, and and Lord of the Rings fans will will probably get mad if I'm getting this wrong, but I believe that like grammatically, it's based on Finnish. Mm. Um, and it's it's beautiful to listen to if you you know if you do watch the movies. I think they actually worked with there are. There are people who specialize in Tolkien languages, mm -hmm. and so everybody in there worked with, uh, whenever they were speaking uh, a language that was not English, or did, I don't know if they refer to it as common in the realm of Lord of the Rings. I, I don't know if they do. I haven't I haven't heard of that. Um, it's... It, it's it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting idea, like, you know, what is the considered like common tongue that the majority of people speak you yeah know, where does it come from obviously when we read the books or watch the movies we are expected to understand that we are reading or watching a you know a translation into english yeah of the original text <laughs> You know, just as, you know, Tolkien's adaptation of Beowulf was an English adaptation of, you know, the original uh, the original language as well. This is, is essentially we're supposed to basically just buy in uh, to the idea that, you know, that's what it is. But yeah, you, you do wonder, um, you know, what, 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 what is the kind of weird Esperanto... Language, yeah, the the lingua lingua, lingua franca? franca, yeah, because yeah. everyone knows it from like hobbits to elves to yeah. to, to orcs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but the the point is though that when people are not speaking uh, English or whatever language they you know dubbed it into for international releases, uh, they they worked with dialogue coaches to make sure that the the elvish and the uh, black speech of Mordor of Mordor and. Uh, and everything else was was on point. Mm. Uh, and it's one that's that's one of those those little things that you could easily have just overlooked. Mm -hmm. You know, if they didn't they didn't have to put in that effort, but they kind of understood that it was worth that effort. It was worth that time. I don't think that. Um, I don't think that Jackson and and Fran Walsh would have been very interested in in doing a, a, a Tolkien adaptation that did not explore the use of language mm -hmm. in the way that Tolkien was writing basically to explore the use of language. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're going to keep things rolling along here because uh, the next few tracks um, are actually sort of... They're, 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 they're focused on really the smallest and yet most important people in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, without whom uh, the story would not happen, at least not in the way that we see it play out. Yeah, the uh, the hobbits of Middle-earth. Uh, Tolkien said he hated allegories, 
but we've been listening to audiobooks of of the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, and it, it's much easier for me to digest in <laughs> audiobook form, uh, which I'm I'm pleased about. So I'm I'm finally like you know reading these books, but uh, Tolkien was a, a World War One veteran, and so when you uh, when you read or or hear read to you, the the travels of the the four hobbits as they march ever closer to uh, getting involved in, in events that they really don't understand and and have not you know we're, we're not directly responsible for you can't help but but wonder um, if, if maybe despite the fact that he hated allegory Tolkien was kind of reflecting on some of his experiences <laughs> um, as, uh, as Connor often says when we hear about them uh, the hobbit saying like oh we'll we'll take the ring to you know wherever and we'll be we'll be back you know by by christmas or whatever and yeah. you always talk about how uh at the you know the very beginning of world war one they told uh young young men headed off to uh to war that they'd be home by christmas yeah. you can sign up with your mates it's, yeah. it'll be a lark yeah <laughs> <laughs> all you have to do is go right over there and then the job's done yep and you can sing let's sing let's sing yeah let's let's sing a happy song everybody let's uh, just sing our song as we go along and here comes oh have you, you ever think about the impending doom that follows us as we <laughs> as we as we carry on this journey <laughs> no of course not <laughs> Um, but we wanted to focus a little bit on the hobbits because they are so important to the story and uh, the greatest hero of the entire trilogy that is of course Sam is is a hobbit uh, so uh, coming up next uh, you'll be hearing tracks by Glaring Spires and Isildin but first um, an artist that Katie discovered Elliot Tordo Mm-hmm. Uh, who will be who who did a a wonderful rendition of um, concerning hobbits? Yes, on, on a very unexpected instrument, uh, the erhu, and I could be pr- mispronouncing that. Um, it's like a, a two-stringed instrument. It kind of looks it's it's, it's hard to describe, um, but it's a traditional uh, East Asian Asian instrument that is uh, played with a bow, mm. and. I did not know what to expect uh, when I came across this particular cover, but it's really, truly magnificent. Mm. Uh, So we'll be hearing Elliot Tordo play Concerning Hobbits.
Welcome back to Third Country Radio on BFF.FM and we hope that you are enjoying uh, this wonderful Thursday morning as we explore the world of Tolkien where we are playing uh, music from the Lord of the Rings series of films by uh, Peter Jackson and we're also playing music inspired by directly or indirectly uh, the Lord of the Rings be it the uh, books, uh, the uh, films made almost over 20 years ago now. Please stop saying that. Uh, who knows? There might even be someone who is inspired by the Rings of Power TV series. But uh, we, we we didn't find them. So, uh, <laughs> so we're just going to have to work with what we've got. Um, and uh, yeah, like we were saying uh, before uh, the uh, trio you just heard, we wanted to focus a little bit on Hobbits of middle earth for uh, for a moment there so you just heard elliot tordo with a beautiful rendition of concerning hobbits uh which is of course uh from uh the fellowship of the ring uh we followed that up with glaring spires and uh a, an album uh called a hobbit's life of hairy feet and sense of spring the song was titled a well ti- a well tended front yard is of utmost importance for us shire dwellers <laughs> I don't know if that was a line from the uh, from the book or if that was just a line that they came up with for the song title, but it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's very appropriate as well. I it think. is, yes. And uh, following that, you heard uh, Itildin uh, from their album Amusette pour Obit. Uh, the track was, and here we go with several long forgotten years of of French here to try to muddle my way through this uh, tr- through this title. Uh, la joue rouge et la bouche tout prête au rire, à manger et au bois. Do you can you translate that? I can't. But <laughs> but, but with uh, the magic of Google but, Translate, but with the magic of Google Translate, I can translate anything. And I will say that it does come into a beautiful little piece, it, it, a beautiful little title. It reads: "Red cheeks and a mouth ready to laugh, eat, and drink." 
That's wonderful. Yeah, if that does not describe hobbits just perfectly and succinctly, I don't know what does. <laughs> it really does. It paints a, a lovely picture of, of a lovely little people. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we, we joked um, before how uh, Tolkien said, said he hated allegory, and, and maybe he had no intention of, uh, of writing allegory, and, and it just kind of came out that way. But it's, it is very, very difficult to examine the journey of the four hobbits who make up the fellowship and not see in them um, the an examination of the effects of, of war, of industrialization, mm -hmm. of isolation, uh, you know, all, you know, we obviously, you know, we all, we all focus on, on Frodo and Sam because they have ultimately the most arduous and torturous journey um, going from the Shire all the way into Mordor and Mordor and uh, I try I try to I try to pronounce it you know like the way it should be pronounced Mordor, Mordor. that little trill of the R yeah um, and you know we watch them from start to finish and and and, and their journey leaves them both very changed mm -hmm. and um, I think that whether he meant to or not uh, Tolkien does a very beautiful and empathetic examination of what he would have called shell shock what we today call uh, PTSD mm -hmm. um, because um, Reading, you know, you know, certainly watching the films, uh, you know, and that's certainly something that Jackson, Peter Jackson, wanted to examine. I think, um, you know, he himself um, had family. I believe his grandfather uh, fought in World War One. Yes, yeah. because uh, in his later documentary, "They Shall Not Grow Old," which uh, they actually used some technology that yeah. uh, that was developed for Lord of the Rings, I believe. Um, to you know, to to recreate different things from that film, mm. for that film, I should say. Yeah. And yes, I believe that uh, his fascination with World War One came from having, like you said, a grandfather mm -hmm. who was involved in that conflict. Yeah, and I, I, so I think there was probably, at least for Jackson, a clearer image in his mind, a clearer theme of of how war affects people from those kind of small rural communities you know we, we we watch Frodo go through this and he he suffers and he is wounded uh, several times um, and suffers a permanent you know spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't seen <laughs> the Lord of the Rings films but he does suffer permanent injuries that leave him like permanently uh, maimed um, and and in, and in a way disabled um, but I think what is of greater importance is the mental and emotional trauma that he endures, that he ultimately cannot be fully healed from, and, uh, you know, when he... You know, when 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 he finally when he finally leaves on the on the 
on the final ship mm-hmm. that that's going to take him that's going to take him west you know in, in the in the film um you get the sense that for him this is his final journey towards recovery you know like a lot of veterans of the first world war who went to war with their friends and then returned to their to their small villages you know having lost people having lost their friends having suffered injuries the idea of reintegrating into a place you no longer recognize was probably a lot on Tolkien's mind. And the idea of returning to a place that you don't you don't recognize because it it has changed while you've been away, you know? He you you get, you know, I know one of the themes that we see a lot in 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 The Lord of the Rings is this idea of, you know, the the enemies the villains are 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 industrialists yeah. they 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 cut down vast swathes of 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 forest to keep the fires burning to make the weapons that will destroy middle earth and you'll note that in uh, Howard Shore's score uh the the music of Isengard and of the the Orakai which are these uh these monsters created at Isengard, it has a very industrial sound. Mm. When we saw the uh, the music performed for Fellowship of the Ring, um, I do not think it, th- no, they might have actually had an anvil there mm. because there's this noise. It's you know it, it's a striking noise. It is metal on metal, um, and it's it's one thing to hear it in the score when you're listening to it, but. For some reason, I don't know if it was because it was a higher pitch or if maybe the percussionist was just really going <laughs> after it, but you could hear that very, very sharply. Mm. And there's other instruments that uh, that they bring in for that score that that have this very you know metallic you know clanking sort of sound. It sounds like you know in some ways kind of an angry machine away mm. in the background. Um, and so you know, like, like you said, there's uh, there's this undercurrent of of thoughts about, uh, you know, beyond war, environmental degradation. And I, mm. I think that's part of why in the 60s you saw a lot of, a lot, you know, the counterculture movement really embracing Lord of the Rings, uh, the mm. buttons that say Frodo lives. There's, I wish I, a friend showed it to me years ago, and I, I wish I had remembered the name, but it was a documentary about how Lord of the Rings changed popular culture. Mm. And there's this great interview with <laughs> Lemmy Kilmeister oh, wow. where he talks about, you know, in the 60s, this club called the Hobbit Hole and you'd go down there and there would be like women with cigarette, you know, the cigarette trays, but they'd have like, you know, blotter papers on them. And so you'd go down there and you'd like listen to psychedelic music and, and take LSD. But like the walls were all painted to look like the Shire. And in uh, in the heart of London, you know, a, a city devastated by World War II in this particular mm-hmm. case, but had plenty of veterans from World War One mm. who would have passed through uh, that area. And then also, you know, in in the world in the years uh, following World War Two, they you know a lot of London was rebuilt, and in, uh, a lot of those older buildings that would have been you know Victorian or or whatever you know architecture style. A lot of like modernist and uh, and brutalist architecture going up, which at the time there was a lot of controversy because uh, um, it's it does not it's not a okay. There are some people who like it. I don't want to knock it. 
to me it's it's a very like authoritarian and oppressive architectural style mm. so the thought of like in the heart of, of swinging London when you would have seen a lot of places getting rebuilt and and the city looking different than it had prior to World War II the thought of all these like you know counterculture hippies going into this club and <laughs> and celebrating you know everything that is green and fair and getting stoned out of their minds <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it's it, it, you do make a very good point there that, you know, post-World War II especially, you, you saw this uh, interest grow again in Tolkien's work. And, um, y you know, I think we we can probably point to the, the similarities there, you know, like, you know, the post-war England dealing with the after-effects of the Blitz and, again, the after-effects of, of all of these veterans coming home physically and emotionally injured mm -hmm. and uh, again you have that in in Tolkien's novels and you have it in in the films too like you know we, we point to like Merry and Pippin and, and all the, the happy japes they get into and, and they're very much you know depicted as comic relief in the um, in, in the film trilogy uh, but they also endure terrible terrible events yeah like they they watch people they admire basically get get ordered to their deaths they face overwhelming odds and uh are are left harmed by them and um and they you know and and and, and in the end you know they they are holding each other and relying on each other for for the strength to to keep going on and um I think that it's a it, it's a beautiful metaphor for the effects of you know industrialization and industrialized warfare and how it would grind people and it still grinds people because the industries that that fuel war have unfortunately stuck around and maybe that is also why this generation and every generation since the 60s has at one point or another embraced the lord of the rings yeah there's uh you know so many memes online about you know going going to you know going to live in, in hobbiton or going mm. to the shire or you know these these wonderful memes of uh the, you know the scene from the Hobbit movies that came obviously after Lord of the Rings, but you know that that great I'm going on an adventure. Yeah. And and how so many of us want to get away from from this this grind and and this it's it's easier than ever to get a constant stream of bad news. The internet is fantastic, but uh, there are many many apps now that you can just scroll endlessly for hours and get served mm. nothing but but bad stuff with the occasional like puppy um <laughs> so so yeah I, I think there's uh i think you know our generation and younger generations and older generations we all find what we need in tolkien's work which is really incredible um it, it's really a testament to the strength of that work yeah. that people can find solace and inspiration in it even many years after its initial publication absolutely you know the, the, the lord of the rings is a story about uh, people who endure and and overcome mm -hmm. 
And I think that's something we can all relate to. Absolutely. Uh, so, Katie, you mentioned uh, the, the music of the Urukai, and we are going to be playing that uh, in uh, a few moments. Uh, but first, uh, before we get to them, uh, also coming from that soundtrack from The Two Towers, which we are going to be going to see played live. Fingers crossed, the last time we did a show like this, it got cancelled. Yeah, but but I'm, sh- I'm sure everything will be fine this time. 50% chance of thunderstorms. <laughs> Just thunderstorm in the morning, guys. <laughs> and then then let us go see our, our fun movie about hobbits and, and Gollum. And actually, oh, actually, no, the more I think about it, it's not that fun. <laughs> but but this next part is is as stirring as it ever is. And I cannot wait to hear it played live. Uh, from the soundtrack for The Two Towers, this is the Riders of Rohan.
BFF.FM is based on a simple model. We do something really well, and then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Every great song you hear on BFF.FM comes through the support of listeners who appreciate the local community treasure that BFF.FM is and want to help ensure it continues playing for everybody. When you consider the power of independent local music, it keeps your day in tune. This vital service, so dependent on listener support, deserves your support today. Donate now at BFF.FM.
some very interesting interpretations of the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. You are listening to Third Country Radio here on BFF.FM, Best Frequencies Forever. And you just heard Helm's Deep by, of all people, Rick Wakeman from his album Songs of Middle-Earth, music inspired by The Lord of the Rings. And before that, you heard two pieces from The Two Towers, composed by Howard Shore. So you heard the Urukai, and then to start us off on that set, you heard the wonderful, the stirring uh, Riders of Rohan. Uh, it's It's been very interesting to listen to Howard Shore's, I, I would say definitive, mm-hmm. um, because that's, everybody kind of has a moment where they come into Lord of the Rings. And for me, uh, that was, you know, the uh, the Peter Jackson movie. So so for me, the, the music of Howard Shore is always going to be the definitive musical take on Lord of the Rings. But as we've... Um, as we've been, you know, exploring, you know, looking for different music to play on this show, I was kind of surprised by the the sheer breadth of of uh, artists who have been inspired by mm-hmm. the world of Middle Earth. Like I said, we had we had Rick Wakeman, mm-hmm. uh, the the keyboardist for the band Yes, and uh, did not realize that he would be a, a big enough Lord of the Rings fan that he created this entire album. Uh, we were kind of bummed. We were hoping that we could include. It's a song that came up on uh, on Spotify. And um, it was uh, songs and poems from Lord of the Rings and Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, Christopher Lee, I think, actually did some some readings from it. But the song that Spotify served to me, um, so to understand uh, to understand why my reaction was, why are you doing this to me, uh, was because I, I alluded to the fact that I uh, years ago, after I saw the movies, I was like, I- I'm going to read Lord of the Rings. The movies were amazing. I can't re- wait to read the books. It's probably just like, you know, George R. R. Martin or, or you know, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, like, you know, this really great narrative ex- adventure. And it, like, very much read, like, like you mentioned earlier, kind of had, like, this Beowulf sort of feel to it where it's very dense. It's beautifully written, but it's very dense. And so I was, like, working my way through it. I'm like, okay, like you know, essentially doing, you know, when are we going to get to the box factory uh, with these four hobbits? And then the hobbits met Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and, um... Ding, yes. Yes. <laughs> and my my initial reaction was, as a, as a tabletop gamer, was to say to myself, if this was a campaign, this would be the side quest... That the that the GM developed because he realized that he'd painted himself into a corner plot wise and needed like a few weeks to figure out how he was going to resolve things. And so I'm like, okay, I'm reading, you know, this Tom. I'm like, oh, and, and Tom Bombadil is this very happy, jolly kind of bouncy, but it's this weird tone shift. At least to me, it was in in the novel. And so I'm like, okay, it can't be that. But like, how many chapters does this? Oh my god, there's like four chapters of this. <laughs> And each chapter is like 50 pa- Okay, no, I, I can't. I can't do it. But since that time, because I, I, I'm old enough that I wrote a live journal post about this, and one of my friends who loved Lord of the Rings replied with the comment, Thou hast blasphemed against the holy Bombadil, smite. And since that time... Whenever I try to, like, think, like, whenever I'm like, I'm going to dip my toe back into the realm of Lord of the Rings, I had probably been listening to a lot of, like, the score or something like that, you know, on Spotify. Tom Bombadil always comes back. (laughs) 
And so I was like, you know what? Fine. Maybe I'll break the curse if I can get it up on the show. Because it is, it is a fun song. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy singing it, he, he was singing it much like, like Connor was. I don't know where the tune comes from. I don't know if Tolkien ever, like, wrote, you know, like, actually had, you know, commissioned music or, or what. Because I've heard multiple kind of versions of that same song with the same melody. And so I was like, you know, we'll, we'll put it on the show. And maybe if we put it on the show, I'll, this, this whole thing will stop. Well, as it turns out, you can listen to it on Spotify, but you can't download it anywhere. I thought I had a lead from Amazon.co.au, so like Australia. <laughs> I clicked on it, but it was somebody selling like the CDs. Oh wow! Yeah, like you, you. As far as I know, you cannot download this music. It is available for streaming. It is available for purchase in hard copy form. But we were unable to download it to put it on the show because I blasphemed 20 (laughs) years ago against the holy bombadil. And now my life will be nothing but pointless side quests. (laughs) You're never, you're never getting, you're never getting away from Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadillo. Tom Bombadillo. Uh. Oh, Tom (laughs) Bombadillo. Down among the willow. Yes. Yes. A fair, fair play to everybody. There's so many people who are like, how can you not like Tom? He's my favorite character. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with Tom Bombadil. There's something very wrong with taking a story that has a very clear, clear through line of like, these hobbits got to get somewhere <laughs> with this like fantasy equivalent of a thermonuclear device. And then just like having them stop off in the fantasy version of like I don't know Key West to hang out for four months I, I, I do appreciate we've been listening to the audiobook and, and I do like okay two things uh, so we've been listening li- we listen to the audiobook whenever we get a chance you know when we can we throw it up on YouTube or what have you and um, we We've been listening, and I think they've they've gotten past Tom Bombadil now. But I did appreciate a couple of things, like when they are being hunted by the Barrow Whites, and it's very atmospheric and it's very spooky, and 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 it, it and and the the narration does a great job of of like conveying like these 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 dangerous like like specters these undead creatures these whites who who steal living people away and 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 keep them in the darkness and the cold and then here comes tom bombadil be like get out of here little whites tom bombadillo's gonna come here and get you little hobbits come on out of here we're gonna sing a happy song he's like well fair enough Uh, yeah exactly and uh I have to laugh because when we were listening, we were listening on YouTube. Um, it might be an unauthorized <laughs> amateur reading, but the guy does an amazing does job. A great job. Well, I did not realize that uh, when we stopped for the evening, that for some reason YouTube like rewound it like, like five or ten minutes. Yeah. And so we sit down like, oh, we can, you know, we can continue. I think like, it was you know, more than that. It was, yeah. like, it was like twenty minutes, and we were we were about we were about fifteen minutes into it. Yeah, and. It rewound, you know, back to back to when they first encountered Tom Bombadil, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, cool, like we've we've gotten through, you know, we're we're getting to the box factory, and the video starts up again, and I'm listening, I'm just like, didn't, did, did they, 
Did they go back? Did they? Did they go through yeah. the Barrow White territory like multiple times? Or is this just going to be an endless loop? I, I I was like, yeah. When I was listening to, it, I was thinking, like, did they go back to Tom Bombadil's house? Yeah. Uh, why would they? I, I mean, your story told Tolkien, but you know, John Roger Ralphus Tolkien. I uh, I don't know about this. Connor, uh, Connor's been teasing me because we've been listening to you know to this for a while, and occasionally. My, my old editor hat will metaphorically come back on my head and I will say aloud J.R.R. Consider cutting piece not sure if relevant to plot slows down novel dash K. <laughs> what was it I once read that like like Tolkien was a linguist who wrote a book rather than a novelist who, who created languages. Yes, like, yeah. He, wrote, he spent all of his time making these conlangs and realized he had to justify it. <laughs> his, uh, yeah, to, you know, the, uh, the faculty at his college, like, you know, you're spending an awful lot of time doing this instead of, like, turning in research papers. So he I'm I'm working on something. There's something right here that I'm working on. I will say the saddest story ever is when Tolkien... Tolkien was part of, like, a writer's group, you know? And uh, he would bring samples of his writing. And I remember, like, one of the saddest things I ever heard was Tolkien had brought this piece and started reading it. And someone else went, oh, no, not another bloody elves story. <laughs> and Tolkien kind of, like, sat down and just kind of put it, put his story oh. away. <laughs> so, So maybe we'll give Tolkien some slack if he wants to have Tom Bombadil run around and be like look at my beautiful wife and my beautiful home yeah <laughs> I I know how he feels because as somebody who uh, who kind of has a, a, a deep love of genre fiction um, I, I I know to a certain extent what it's like to be like I have written a thing yeah. and have people be like oh no not another childish fantasy story and like Okay, we'll listen to your drama about people talking in rooms. No. <laughs> it's probably why you just ended up hanging up hanging out with C.S. Lewis all the time. Yeah, probably. Although I although I do love, you know, like Tolkien's here and here is my like thousand year history and you know, the elves and the creation of the dwarves and, and the one ring. And meanwhile C.S. Lewis says, I think I'll put Santa Claus in this one. <laughs> It's like there again, going back to the tabletop gaming thing, there are two types of, of, of GMs. <laughs> there there's Matt Mercer and there's Brendan Lee Mulligan. We should probably play some music, I yeah, guess. Probably. We we could go on and on about Tolkien and maybe maybe we should just change the format of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm not sorry. And I'm sure you listening to us uh, go on about about this wonderful stuff isn't aren't sorry either but you know we do want to play some more of the beautiful music we have found uh, both inspired by and directly from the lord of the rings um so coming up next is um a really lovely track it's like a like a like a a medley of sorts is that mm -hmm. isn't that right yes a medley of sorts from a group called blue moon soup they are out of Yellow Springs, Ohio, so mm. representing, uh, you know, musicians from, from our fair state. And it's actually a, a really well-done medley of various songs from uh, the Lord of the Rings films, but done in a very unexpected format, that of uh, acoustic folk, kind of bluegrass. Nice. So very excited to bring this to you. Uh, this is a tribute to the music of Lord of the Rings by Blue Moon Soup. <laughs> ¶¶ 
truck, motorcycle, or other vehicle to BFF.FM? Your donation will directly support, mentor, and provide opportunities for our Bay Area radio DJs. Just call 855-500-RIDE to donate that old vehicle. We accept most cars, trucks, trailers, boats, RVs, motorcycles, off-road vehicles, heavy equipment, and other motorized vehicles. As long as they're in one piece, have an engine, or even towable, we'll take it off your hands. It's easy, convenient, and you'll be directly helping the San Francisco Bay Area music community. Just call 855-500-RIDE to donate today. That's 855-500-7433.
absolutely stirring work right there. Uh, you just heard four amazing pieces of art. Uh, a, a combination of music from the uh, original soundtrack, as well as wonderful tributes to the music of Howard Shore and to Lord of the Rings. Uh, we kicked off things with Blue Moon Soup, and I really, really love that tribute to the music of Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's just a, a wonderful little medley of, of folk and, and bluegrass that really, I think, uh, takes some very familiar tunes and, and, and plays with them in a really, really wonderful way. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and I think that's what struck me about it, because I, I wasn't sure how it would work initially, and I was like, well, you know, we'll, we'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, and I figured, like, okay, this might be... Because it starts with the, you know, uh, concerning Hobbits. Yeah. Um, it starts with that tune, and I was like, well, okay, like, we already have that, you know, that, that's part of our, our list here. But the I was struck by how many different pieces of music they were able to fit within that medley yeah it was really really nice and very very well done like great instrumentation and great um just just the the layout of that was wonderful uh we followed that up with uh, a piece from the university of prince edward island as wind symphony uh, the album is titled "The Lord of the R- Lord of the Wings," <laughs> Lord of the Wings, the <laughs> Lord of the Rings, and it is a collection of music inspired, obviously, by Tolkien's work. That was piece number one, Gandalf. Ah. Uh, yeah, very powerful. Which, which I can, you know, it, it, it kind of encapsulates that idea of Gandalf. It's, it's you know, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's sturdy, you know, and 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 Gandalf, throughout the trilogy, really acts as that. Um, place of calm in the middle of it all he's very certain uh, at all times you know even even at the most uh like hopeless of moments you know he he is there to bring comfort even at times when it looks like it's it's all going to be uh everything is going to be destroyed and 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 people are going to fail he's always there to to bring in that wisdom yeah and i think i think that music I think the, that piece there from the UPEI Wind Symphony does a, does a wonderful job of encapsulating that. It does. Uh, speaking of Gandalf, uh, from the Fellowship of the Ring soundtrack, you heard Lothlorien, which features the lament for Gandalf, uh, a very sad and haunting and really beautiful piece of music. What would you say? Yeah, it's it's quite eerie. I uh, I remember the first time I heard it in the theater. I was I was struck by you know we. When we first encounter elves, it's it's at Rivendell, mm. and the you know, and Rivendell has a very beautiful theme of its own. It's kind of this uh, when we arrive there, it's kind of this realm of, of autumn. You know, mm. it's it's uh, very beautiful. Uh, when I first saw the movie, I was actually going to school in a at a university in southeast Ohio, and it it, it kind of struck me that it reminded me quite a lot of that mm. area. Um, but then you go to Lothlorien, and it's this this much darker, mm. and and not necessarily like darker in an evil way. But you know, they arrive at night, and and it's it's a very different feel, mm. um, a lot more, a lot more mystical. A mm. lot, it seems like a lot kind of a, a, a bit more removed from earthly concerns yeah. in a way. Removed from the from the world of men, unlike uh, Rivendell. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny you mention that because, you know, they, they arrive at night, but they also arrive under a cloud of darkness. Yes. You know? uh, because they believe Gandalf is gone, and he is for a time. Yes. Um, 
And uh, finishing up that foursome, you heard uh, The Road Goes Ever On by Dwaylen, and that was from a, 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 a sort of two-song EP called The Fall of Gondolin. Well, uh, unfortunately, we have come to the end of another wonderful two hours. We hope that you enjoyed our chats, uh, our conversation, and the music here. Uh, we are going to leave you with a stirring piece uh, from the... Um, final uh, movie uh, in the trilogy, The Return of the King. Uh, This is the epic uh, sort of like final moment where when when Aragorn finally takes his his place as the King of Gondor and it is called, uh, suitably enough, uh, The Return of the King. So until then, uh, until next week, have a wonderful, wonderful week and, and take care everyone. We love you all. Make art, love life.